0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a
1: verse by verse study through the Gospel of John and this is the 52nd program in this series. In this program I'm in the Gospel of John chapter 10 verse 11. What Jesus is doing is he is giving an explanation for the parable that he just gave the people. And the purpose of this parable is to state that he is distinct from everyone else, and that he is the only way through which people can be saved, and that he is the only way through which the needs of a person's heart can be met. And he described this as the only way through which they would be able to obtain pasture, through the proper door, which was him. He is the door by hearing and following the true shepherd and that he is the true shepherd who will lead them into proper pasture so that they might be fed in the way that they need to be fed. And he is comparing himself with the other religious leaders of that time, who were not fulfilling this role in their lives. They were not able to save the people individually. They were not able to feed the people in a way that the deepest needs in their hearts would be met. This was not taking place. The same problems exist today. Today, we have lots of people who try to assert themselves as religious leaders over people over their lives, and there is the promise that if the people will hear them, if the people will follow them, if they will do all that their pastors, priests, leaders, ministers, whomever, if they will do all that they tell them to do, then they will have a good Christian life, and they'll be good Christians, they will be at peace. And eventually, everyone discovers that this is not true. That this does not happen. And everyone will eventually be confronted with the reality that there is a God, that Jesus is the only way, and for them to experience fulfillment in their hearts, they will have to have a personal interactive relationship with the Lord Jesus. Unfortunately, what happens today is that there are a lot of things that people will believe that turn out to be barriers. Obstacles that prevent people from growing in their relationship with their God. As an example, I mentioned in the previous program how there are a lot of people who do not believe that their God loves them. They do not believe that God accepts them. And the reason why is because they do believe that God still holds their sins against them in some way. That when he died for the sins of the world, that just wasn't quite enough for you to be fully reconciled to God. It just simply gave you an opportunity to be reconciled to God. But you're going to have to seek reconciliation, seek forgiveness on a regular basis, because the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus just wasn't enough. Or they suggest that what he really did was institute a new sacrificial system, whereas before... You shed the blood of animals, but now you apologize and ask for forgiveness. That becomes the new sacrificial system, which is a rejection of the complete forgiveness of sins. And when people believe this, then by default, you believe that your God holds your sins against you. He does not accept you. He does not love you. He may very well be disgusted with you. That's how he might really feel about you. And a lot of people live their Christian lives feeling this, feeling this way, because that is what they are taught. But this is not what Jesus did. He ended the sin issue so that a new relationship could be defined according to the new covenant and everyone needs to understand what the new covenant is. Everyone needs to understand what the gospel is, and they need to understand how their God relates to them now to meet the deepest needs of their spirit, of their heart, whereas this could not have been accomplished through the previous relationship that was defined by the law by a knowledge of good and evil. So, continuing on into John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says directly, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd gives his life for the sheep. It is a proclamation that he is going to give his life for everyone, for all of his sheep. Now, again, there are many sheep who will simply refuse to accept what he has done on their behalf. They will refuse to receive the forgiveness of sins and the restoration of the Holy Spirit. And those who reject him will not be made into a new creation to genuinely become one of his sheep. They are his sheep in the sense that everyone belongs to God, but they are not his sheep in the sense that not everyone will surrender to the new covenant. So there is a way to distinguish between those sheep of his Who are saved and those sheep of his who will not be saved. But what he proclaims here is the crucifixion that he will die for everyone, for the entire world, so that some will embrace the gospel and be saved. And then he makes a comparison between himself and others in continuation by speaking of others as a hireling. Now before he spoke about false shepherds, he spoke about people who were trying to assert themselves as shepherds, not recognizing that Jesus is the only shepherd. And he defined people as robbers and thieves, trying to obtain people or sheep just for themselves. But here he introduces a new kind of idea or a new person, the hireling. And this is in verse 12. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. He gives a description of a hireling. Now, there is nothing inherently evil about a hireling. He could say that there is definitely something evil about a robber or a thief. But someone who is hired is someone who is hired by the shepherd. And when they are hired by the shepherd, there is an agreement that is made between the shepherd and the person who is hired. There will be an understanding with regards to what the person will do on behalf of the shepherd. And it is understood that if you hire someone to look after your sheep, it is understood that you are not expected to give your life for the sheep. God is not going to expect anyone else to give their life for the sheep. That's what he does. He's not going to put anyone else in a position. He's not going to encourage and he's not going to expect anyone to die for others. Not in the way that he did. He certainly Would not want anyone to do that. He wants to be the only one who dies for the sins of humanity. Not to mention that he's the only one who can qualify as a person who could die for the sins of humanity. There is no other person, no other person who could possibly be hired could fulfill that in someone else's life. So the hireling, the person who is hired, has a place. They have a purpose. They have a role, and if they do what the shepherd has asked them to do, then this is good, and there are religious leaders who fulfill this kind of a role for God, where they are hired for tasks to assist the shepherd with his sheep, but it is well understood that it is not the role of the one who is hired to die for the sheep. It is not the role of the one who is hired to take any of the sheep away from the shepherd. It is the role of the one who is hired to direct the sheep to the shepherd, to make sure that the sheep are following the instructions and the guidance of the shepherd so that they might be fed, so that they might be cared for. The hireling has a purpose. They have a role. And using this abstract description, I could say that even today, there are people who can fulfill this role for God, who can have a job, who can have a task, so that they might be of assistance to the shepherd, to help the shepherd, to fulfill the greater purpose that the shepherd has. And that this is good. During the time when Jesus was ministering, he had his disciples. And many of his disciples fulfilled this kind of a role. They assisted. They helped. They were, in a sense, hirelings. There was nothing evil about the disciples helping the Lord Jesus fulfill the purposes that Jesus had, that Jesus came to accomplish, This was good that his disciples helped him with that. And it is good that there are others today, that there has always been people who have helped the Lord Jesus conduct his ministry. But the hireling is not expected to die for the sins of anyone. The hireling is expected to assist the shepherd so that the sheep might know the shepherd. And so that the shepherd might know the sheep. And this is something that takes place between the hireling and the shepherd. How this is accomplished is between the hireling and the shepherd, not between the hireling and the sheep. The hireling obtains his instructions from the shepherd, not from the sheep. So again, beginning in verse 11, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, One who does not own the sheep sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. In this sense, in this description, Jesus is stating that it is his role to protect the sheep from the wolves. In verse 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Well, hirelings can very well care about the sheep. They just won't care about the sheep in the same way that Jesus will care about the sheep. So it doesn't mean that they don't care at all. It just means that they understand their limitations. They understand their purpose. They understand their role. And they understand that the wolf can come and take them out too. That they need to depend on the shepherd just as any other sheep would need to depend on the shepherd. Again in verse 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. Now this is really important. He wants to know you. You are his sheep. He wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. This is very important. Now, you are a person who is growing and changing. That is what it means to be alive. That is what it means to be a living person. You are expected to grow in Christ Jesus. And a lot of that has to do with discovering what you have in Christ and learning how to apply what you have in Christ in your daily life. This is part of the relationship that you have with him. And so he wants to know you, but he also wants to know you in the context of your growth and in the context of your changes. And he wants to be a participant in your life so that you may grow and mature in a way that he would like you to grow and mature. And you may know him in a little, small way right now, but he wants you to know him more and you will As you pursue a knowledge and understanding of him, you will grow to know him more and more. This is a living experience. This is what it means to be alive. This is what it means to have an interactive relationship. It is so that he may know you, you may know him, and that this may be increased over a period of time. In this case, there is a period of time between the point when you are born again by the Holy Spirit and when you physically die. There is opportunity. There are a lot of opportunities to grow to know him and for him to grow to know you during this period of time and then after you enter into the kingdom of heaven, of course everything is going to be different and you will not be able to grow to know him in the same way that you can grow to know him right now. There will be other ways that you can grow to know him. But this is what he wants. He wants to know you and he wants to see you become someone new. And he wants you to know him and he wants you to increase in knowing him more and more as you live your life. Again, in verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He repeats again the importance of him laying his life down, and this is in direct reference to the crucifixion. But what he adds here is that you will know the Father by default. And the Father will know you by default. And because Jesus is God manifested in the flesh, he is describing the transitions of the increase in the relationship between you and the living God. The transitions and the increase that happens as you live your life He lives his and there is mutual participation in verse 16 and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. That's verse 16. Now here in John chapter 10 verse 16, he makes a proclamation. He proclaims. That the Judeans or the Jews or the, the people who are there in Israel are not the only ones who will enter into the new covenant. Now, this is not unrealistic. If you consider the old covenant, anyone, anyone who wanted to could enter into the old covenant. If you were considered to be a Gentile, which was someone who was of the other nations besides Israel, if you wanted to be an Israelite, if you wanted to have a relationship with God as it was defined through the law of Moses, through the old covenant, if you wanted to be a part of that, then the law had a provision for that. All you needed to do was submit yourself to the law and you would be recognized as a member of the nation of Israel. In the old covenant, it was acknowledged, it was recognized. There were people who were known as proselytes they were everywhere they were all over the place and many of them traveled to Jerusalem during the times that they were expected to be there during Passover during the feast of weeks during the feast of tabernacles they were expected to be there there were other sheep who were a part of that flock if I was to use that illustration that Jesus is describing with this parable. But in this case, he's talking about a different covenant, a new covenant. And just as there was a provision in the old covenant for anyone in the world to be a part of the old covenant, so with the new covenant, there is also a provision so that anyone in the world could be a part of the new covenant. When Jesus died for the sins of the world, he died for the sins of the world. And when he presented and offered the Holy Spirit so that people could be made alive, that was offered to everyone in the world. And so Jesus makes the proclamation that there will be others who will believe the gospel. Just as you did not have to be an Israelite according to a specific tribe and genealogy. To be an Israelite, you just submit yourself to the law. So also, you did not have to be an Israelite according to a defined genealogy in order to be a part of the new covenant. And so in verse 16, he says, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice... And there will be one flock and one shepherd. It's a way of stating, look, there are other people who will surrender to the new covenant. Those are his sheep. Not people who God just specifically created to say, these people I created to be my sheep and these people I created in a way that they are never going to be allowed to be my sheep. I have decided that. That's not what he did, although there are a lot of people who want to believe that. No, he defined the criteria by which a person can be saved. And if you will surrender to that criteria, regardless of what your genealogy is, you will be made into a new creation, you will be a child of God, and that will be who you are. And you will have inheritance rights according to the new covenant, which is all that you need for life and godliness, which is all that you need to fulfill the deepest needs of your heart, the pasture will be open to you, available to you, so that he will meet all of the needs of the core of your spirit, of the core of your being. And you will be able to relate to your God and know him. He will relate to you and know you. And you will live together with him on an individual basis. All of these other sheep that he is referring to, other sheep in verse 16, these are other people who will have an individual relationship with him. He's not referring to a particular nation. He's not referring to another line of genealogy. He's not referring to another collective. He's referring to other individuals. And all of these individuals will come together as one flock. And this is a flock that has been growing and growing ever since Jesus proclaimed this. And this flock will continue to grow Generation after generation, as long as people are still on this earth, as long as new people are born into this world, there will be new people who will have the opportunity to embrace the gospel, who can surrender to the new covenant if they will recognize, acknowledge, and meet the criteria that God has defined, which is that you are to believe the truth that's all you need to do. Believe the truth that he has conveyed. He doesn't hold your sins against you anymore. He is offering to you his very spirit that will resurrect you from the dead. You can receive that by trust, by belief, by recognition and acknowledgement of the truth. He himself will give his spirit to you. He will do that. That is his promise. You will be made spiritually alive He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You will be born again as a child of God and be a member of his flock that he has been growing and growing now for thousands of years. And he will continue to grow until he returns personally and declares the end. Therefore, in verse 17, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Jesus directly proclaims that he is going to die for the sins of humanity. He is going to do this, he is going to ensure that this takes place, and he is going to resurrect from the dead. When he states that he is going to take it up again, that he has the power to do so, he makes a public proclamation that he has the authority and the power to resurrect himself, therefore the power to resurrect all others. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 52nd program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. In this section, Jesus was explaining the parable that he gave concerning the shepherd, the good shepherd. And in this explanation, he included a description of a hireling, someone who would be hired to help the shepherd. He explained the difference between the hireling and the shepherd, that the hireling was there to give assistance to the shepherd, but the hireling would not be expected to die for the sheep. The shepherd would die for the sheep. Through this explanation, Jesus presents the gospel the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection, his resurrection that would also by default result in him being able to resurrect others, to resurrect his sheep.